Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey there, everybody. It is an absolute beautiful day outside. I hope it's that way where you live. I know we've had some really cold weather come through, and I hope we're all safe and warm. I'm Dinosaur George. Welcome to the podcast. Let me start off with one of the most important shout-outs. That's to my friend, Quinn. Here's to an exciting and wonderful new year. To all of you, today is Christmas Day. If you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or even if you don't celebrate, I hope today is a great day for all of you and I hope it's filled with memories and fun and and family because those are the most important things. So, boy, do I have a lot to cover. Now, in the month of December, we realize that so many of you would be given uh, gifts of being Patreon Club members, but we may not have been able to get your welcome package to you in time for today. And so we decided to read the names of our newest members who joined during the month of December, who we know would not be able to receive your packages. Now, for some of you that signed up in December, early you we know you received yours and we hope you did now if you live overseas understand that it can take a long time for packages to arrive when they're shipped overseas so um if you signed up in december we just wanted to give each of you kind of a shout out to let you know that you are members in case you didn't receive your welcome package so here we go this is to alan w from mom Mom says, I can't wait to see all the dinosaur bones you'll dig up. Well, Alan, welcome to the club. Mom, thank you for signing Alan up. And I agree. I can't wait to see what Alan digs up. That's going to be a lot of fun. Then to Justine the Velociraptor. What a great name. This is from Mom, Dad, Stephanie, and Matilda. Until you build your own museum. Well, Justine, I hope you do build your own museum. And I hope to be able to send you some specimens as a gift to help build your collection. So once you start your museum, you contact me and I'll see if I can maybe send in a Tyrannosaurus Rex or two, maybe a couple of Brachiosauruses, maybe 17 Brachiosauruses and 200 Compies, maybe 17 Brachiosauruses, three calling birds, two French. Wait, what am I doing? Okay. I'm sorry. Anyway, welcome to the club to Kwan. Uh, A.K. Kuasaurus Rex. Great name. This is from Mom and Dad and Jim. Merry Christmas. We love you. Welcome to the Club Quan, and thank you, Mom and Dad and Jim, for giving Quan this gift. To Jackson the Rex from Mom, Merry Christmas, and I hope you romp you have a romping good time. Oh, what a great statement. Welcome to the Patreon T-Rex Club. Jackson, I hope you do have a romping good time. 
to Cecilia from Mom, a one-year subscription, and loves you lots. Well, Cecilia, your mom does love you a lot, and thank you, Mom, for signing up. Cecilia, always great to have a new T-Rex member. Welcome to the club. Then this one goes out to Oscar Soros, <laughs> Oscar Soros and Isabel Rex. From Nana and Grandpa, we are so excited to give you a year's subscription to enjoy your favorite podcast. We love hearing all about your dinosaur knowledge and expertise. Love you both lots. Well, thank you so very much, Nana and Granddad. Welcome to the club, Oscar Soros and Isabel Rex. Love those names. Welcome to the club. Then to Penny Kyrus from Mama and Pops. Enjoy your T-Rex subscription to Dinosaur George. Welcome, Penny Kyrus, and thank you, Mommy and Pops. We appreciate you guys doing that for Penny Kyrus. Love that name. Then this one goes out to Griffin Raptor from Mommy, Daddy, and Grammy. We hope you love T-Rex Club membership. Thank you, Mommy, Daddy, and Grammy for being so kind. Welcome to the club, Griffin Raptor. Glad to have you as part of us. This goes to Bruce from Mom and Dad. Oh, a one-year subscription. We love you and Merry Christmas. Well, thank you so very much, Mom and Dad. Bruce, make sure to tell your family you love them as well. Thank you for being a new member of the Patreon Club. This is to Macy, our little paleontologist from Mom and Dad. Merry Christmas and welcome to the Dinosaur George T-Rex Club. Merry Christmas. Macy, Merry Christmas to you. Glad to have another paleontologist on board with us in our Patreon Club. Then to Axelosaurus from Nanny and Poppy. Enjoy your 12 months of T-Rex membership. Thank you so very much, Nanny and Poppy. Alexosaurus, welcome to the club. Glad to have you as a member. To Henry Raptor, the family's prehistoric expert from Grandma. A one-year subscription. Happy Christmas and lots of love. Thank you so very much, Grandma. Henry Raptor, make sure to tell Grandma thank you for letting you become a T-Rex member. And again, Glad to have another expert in our club. All right. Then to uh, Mavi Dinozan. Hey, what a great name. Mavi Dinozan, future paleontologist. This is from Baba and Mom. Happy Christmas. Have fun with your year's subscription to the T-Rex Club. Well, thank you so very much, uh, Baba and Mom. And Mavi, make sure to say thank you for them letting you become a member. Welcome to the club. This is to Alex from Nana and Pops. Merry Christmas. Have lots of fun and enjoy Dinosaur George. Love you lots. Thank you, Nana. Thank you, Pops. Alex, welcome to the club, my friend. Then to Rowanosaurus Rex from Mommy and Daddy, a one-year subscription. Merry Christmas. Thank you so very much, Mommy and Daddy. Rowanosaurus, welcome to the club, my friend. To Connorsaurus Rex from Mamasaurus and Dadasaurus. You have dinosaur parents. That's the greatest thing in the world. Merry Christmas. We're excited to see how much you'll learn as a T-Rex member. Well, thank you so very much, Mamasaurus and Dadasaurus. What a great, what a great gift to give your child, considering you are both dinosaurs. That's too cool. Welcome, Connorsaurus Rex. To Lachlan from Mama, Daddy, and Darcy, Merry Christmas. We all hope you love your T-Rex membership and keep learning awesome dino things from Dinosaur George. Thank you very much, Mama, Daddy, and Darcy. Thank you for, for doing that. Lachlan, welcome to the club, and I hope you do learn a bunch of new stuff. 
All right, uh, Henry Bruce from Mom and Dad. Merry Christmas. We know you are so excited to finally be a T-Rex member. Have so much fun learning and laughing. Thanks for being awesome. We love you. Well, Henry, welcome to the club, my friend. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the club. And thank you so very much for signing up, Henry. We appreciate it very much. A couple of uh, a couple of other or last minute ones just this morning, just this morning. It looks like uh, John Griffith from Houston. I believe it's John. Or it could be Whitney. See, on the on the paper I'm looking at, I can't tell who signed up and who is the member. So if it's Whitney, welcome to the group. If it's John, welcome to the group. Thank you both very, very much. And I hope things are doing well in beautiful Houston, Texas. Now, 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 now couple of other mentions. These are some longtime members who just renewed their membership. So to Cedriosaurus from Grandma, one-year membership. I hope you enjoy the holidays. Thank you, Grandma. Cedriosaurus, make sure to say thank you to Grandma. Great to have you still with us. To True Maddie from Mama Sarah Tops and Daddy Saurus, another year. It wouldn't be a Patreon club without my friend, True Maddie. And again, the fact that your parents are both dinosaurs makes it that much better. So thank you for re-signing up. And then to Dino Jamo and his smelly little brothers, Tacosaurus, Tacosaurus Rex and Becky Ceratops. Hope you enjoy another year of El Stinko throwing stink bombs at you and the Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor attacking Dinosaur George. Now, wait one minute. Wait, wait one minute. Let's get something straight. I don't know who this El Stinko... No one knows the identity of El Stinko. Stronger than Superman. Greener than the Hulk. Glows green like the Green Lantern. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. And finally, don't you dare ever mention that dinosaur's name again. Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor is the most rotten little dinosaur that ever lived. And the fact that you people find it amusing that it attacks me is simply horrifying. What kind of kids are you? (laughs) Now, if I missed your name and you signed up to be a December member, please, through your Patreon page, please send me a message and I uh, I will correct that error on the next podcast. Now, today's podcast is going to be a special edition podcast because I also need to give December birthday shout outs to all of my existing T-Rex members because I didn't do that because I didn't record a podcast yet in December because I've been so busy on the road. So I'm not going to do a, I'm not going to do a who would win. I'm not going to do a um, feature creature. What I am going to do is after I do these birthday shout outs for all of my existing uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex members, I will jump over to the Dinosaur George Kids page and I will notate some of the contacts that you all have sent me through there. So with not with no further ado, what does that mean? Uh, I think it just means stop talking and talk. Wait, how am I supposed to stop talking and talk? Who writes this stuff? Okay. So birthday shout outs. Wyatt 
who turned six years old on December 11th. Happy birthday, Wyatt. I'm sorry I didn't post a podcast earlier to wish you one in advance, but better late than never. Dino Damien will turn five on December 31st in a couple of days. Happy birthday to you, Dino Damien. Trip turned five on December 17th. Hey, that's a day before my birthday. Trip, you're older than me. Wait, you couldn't turn five because that would mean I'm four. I'm not four. Okay, I've been accused of being four. I've been accused of acting like I'm four, but that's a different story for another day. Happy birthday, Trip. Sean turned nine years old on the 16th. So wait a minute. Sean was on the 16th. Trip was on the 17th. I'm on the 18th. And yet both of you should be older than me. Isn't that how it works? Happy birthday, Sean. Mason, who just recently turned six on December 21st. Happy birthday to you, my friend. Julianosaurus turned eight on December 8th. Now, wait a minute. Julianosaurus, does that mean on December 9th, they're going to turn nine? And on December 10th, they're going to turn 10? How did you turn eight on the 8th? That's not how it works. Because if that's how it works, I'm only 18 years old. Okay, I like this new plan. Nathanosaurus Rex turned five on December 14th. Happy birthday to you, my friend. Now, wait a minute. Wait, you're older than me too? All of you kids are older than I am. All right. Calm, who goes by Ankylocomosaurus, turned six on December 19th. Now, see, this makes sense. Happy birthday, buddy. Because you're younger than me, because I was on the 18th, you were on the 19th. All right. Cooper Olson turned 12 on December the 17th. Happy birthday to you, Cooper. You're 12 years old. You know, next year you're going to be a teenager. You're going to be a teenager next year. And you know what that means? Your mom is going to cry all day. I can't believe my baby's a teenager. And your dad's going to be like, hey, kid, when are you going to get a job and move out of here so I can turn your room into my man cave? That's what's going to happen next year, Cooper. (laughs) Happy birthday, my friend. Gus will celebrate or celebrated his first birthday on December 19th. Gus, my little friend, happy birthday to you. It's your first birthday, and I am so glad that you are part of our group. We love to have you, buddy. Then Tycho turned, will, tur- will turn five on the 27th. Hey, that's two days from now. Hey, that's exciting, man. Happy birthday, my friend. And then Dallas turned nine on the 15th. You're old. Dallas, you're old. Are you married yet, Dallas? I mean, come on, you turn nine. Get it over with. Get married now and get it over with. That's the way I see things. <laughs> Maggie Soros Rex turned six on December 9th. Happy birthday, Maggie Soros Rex. Spinonorosaurus turned five or is turning five on December 30th. Oh, ho, ho. your birthday is coming up, Spinonorosaurus. Spinonorosaurus, what a great name. And then Justine the Raptor turned seven years old on December 14th. Justine, happy birthday to you. 
It's nice to have more December kids. Zane is going to turn eight in December. Now, Zane, you didn't tell me what day, but that's okay. You're turning eight or you turned eight. Whatever the case, happy birthday, Zane. Hudson, known as Helico Hudson, turned seven on October 31st, but I missed Hudson's birthday. That's why it's in my notes, because I missed Hudson's birthday back in October. So you're now seven, but you're way older than seven now because it's already the end of December. So Hudson, happy late, 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 late birthday. I'm so sorry I missed your birthday, buddy. Happy birthday to you. Velasa Robert turned seven on December 7th. Okay, wait a minute now. Julianosaurus turned eight on the 8th. Velasa Robert turned seven on the 7th. I don't think you kids understand how these things work. That's not how your birthday works. You don't turn a different age on a different day, right? Because... If there's only 31 days in a month, how am I supposed to have a birthday? (laughs) Happy birthday, Robert. Uh, Matthias is going to turn six on December 31st. Now, wait a minute. Matthias, aren't you supposed to be turning 31 on December 31st? Isn't that how it works? Because all of you kids have me totally confused in this whole thing. So Matthias is turning 31. On December 31st, oh, your mom and dad must be so happy. Again, what's mom doing? My baby. My baby's all grown up. And what's dad doing? When is this kid going to move out? (laughs) Happy birthday coming up, my friend. Now, Melody V wanted me to know that her brother is turning or turned 14 on the 8th. So what a nice thing to do. Happy birthday to your brother. I hope he had a good birthday. Emilio Raptor number two said, not me, but my friend Dev has a birthday on December 10th, and I think he would like a shout out. What a polite thing to do, Emilio Raptor number two. Dev, happy birthday to you, my friend. And then Mega Leodon, Leo, will turn seventh on December 28th. Happy birthday, my friend. Your birthday is right around the corner. And then Ben is turning eight or turned eight on the third. Happy birthday to you, my friend. Kelt turned five on November 29th. But again, they just joined at the end of the month and I missed it. So Kelt, welcome to the club. Glad your parents sent me a note to let me know. Happy birthday to you. Your birthday wasn't that long ago, so happy birthday to you, my friend. Then Justine turned seven on December 14th. Nice. Everett Raptor turned five on December 7th. Aemon, oh, Aemon, Aomamimus. Okay, that is the coolest name on the planet. Aomamimus. Turned five on December 13th. That is so cool. Is like, hey, oh, oh, Amon. Oh, oh, that's how you pronounce it. Amon. Thank you so very much. Happy birthday to you. Turning five. That's so cool. And happy birthday. And I'm glad your parents gave you a membership as your birthday present. So, Amon, 
Happy birthday to you, a Mimus. That's a cool name. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Packy Nicholasaurus became a T-Rex member and had a birthday Christmas gift on November 20th. He turned seven. Well, it's not too late. I'm glad you were able to contact us. Packy Nicholasaurus, happy birthday to you back on November 7th. And then Lincoln Rex turned five on December 19th. He moved from a Raptor Club member to a T-Rex Club member for his birthday. Well, Lincoln Rex, happy birthday. You're one year younger than me because you were born on December 19th and I was on the 18th. So you turned five. Wait, if you're one year younger, does that mean I'm six? Okay, look, these things have me totally confused. (laughs) Happy birthday, my friend. Happy birthday to you. All right. Jimmy B turned six years old on December 12th. And for his birthday, got a membership to the T-Rex Club. Well, happy birthday, Jimmy B. So glad that you got a membership. Happy birthday to everyone. Welcome to our newest members. Now, again, if I missed anyone, go to your Patreon Club page, send us a message and let us know, and I will correct the error. All right. Something that I wanted to let you all know, a change that has happened with private virtual lessons. They have been very, very popular. In fact, they're so popular, I'm having problems being able to do them because I travel with my traveling museum. And so many of you wanted me to do virtual lessons for your birthday parties and that, but sometimes I couldn't get to them for a month. And they've caused so much problems and it's so difficult Unfortunately, I'm no longer going to be doing private virtual lessons. I just, I'm unable to do them. Virtual lessons are so difficult, especially now because January, February, March, April, and May are the busiest months of the year for me. And I will be gone every single week for five straight months. There are some days that I come home on the weekends, but not many. And because of that, we are suspending doing any private or virtual lessons. Now, they may come back in the summer when I'm home more often, but I just wanted everyone to know that if that was something you were wanting to do, I'm I'm sorry if I've disappointed you, but time-wise, it's just not possible for me to do them. So I just wanted to let everyone know about that. All right. um, Let's see. Let's talk a little bit. Let me just give you a little bit of information if you would be interested in becoming a Patreon Club member. And this will give me an opportunity to rest my voice for a minute. And then we're going to jump over to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page to see some posts and answer some questions there. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. All right, a couple of other announcements that um, uh, I need to mention. One is that we have gained 44 new Patreon club members in the month of December. 44. That's pretty exciting to me. 
But the club is just growing exponentially. It's becoming so big, and it's just so cool. And thank you all. Also, I wanted to remember you that on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, our uh, museum and gift shop out at Traders Village in San Antonio will be open both days from 10 to 5. The only thing that affects our ability to open is bad weather. The reason for that is we are located in this huge outdoor market. There's thousands of vendors, but it's outdoors. Now, my I'm in inside of a building, but it's such a big facility that on days that's raining or days that are super cold, people have to walk a long distance to get to my building because this place is so big. And so there are times that bad weather causes us to have to close down. But right now, we absolutely plan on being open New Year's Eve and New Year's Day from 10 to 5 both days. If you do get to visit my store and come see the museum, remember to tell us you are a Raptor or T-Rex member so we can apply your discount if you purchase anything. You get a discount on anything you purchase on our website or inside of our store and museum. Another piece of very exciting news. We now are at 580,000 downloads of the podcast. We've had 580,000 listens to my podcast since we started it a couple of years ago. I cannot tell you how exciting that is. I never knew if we would even reach 10. And now we're over a half a million. So the next big exciting event for me for me will be, can you imagine if we reach a million listens? How crazy would that be? A million. Okay, that would be crazy. That would be absolutely crazy. So let's jump over to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page. Hey, you know what? Uh, let me see something. You know what? Something I have not checked in a while. I haven't checked in a while the count of how many countries. I'll let that try to download. Anyway, let me jump over here to the Patreon club. I mean, the I'm sorry, the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. And let's answer a couple of questions and make some comments. First of all, This is great. Uh, Legos plus dinosaurs equals happiness. Carla, thank you for posting me a picture. And it looks like it looks like dad is being eaten by a Tyrannosaur, a Lego T-Rex. That's absolutely hilarious. I love the pictures. Looks like you guys had a great time. That is so neat. So neat. Okay. Oh, now this is exciting. Uh, My very good friend, Mr. Stringer. Let me know that his grandson, Emilio, is in town until January 9th. Oh, I hope you guys come by the museum this coming weekend. Uh, I hope you guys do. Emilio, I would love to see you. I miss you so much, and I'm so glad that you're in town, at least for a little while. Uh, I'm so glad. That's just absolutely amazing. I can't wait to see you. Hey, that report just popped up. Okay. My podcast is now heard in 163 countries and in 12,274 cities throughout the world. That is crazy cool. You want to know what the number one city in the world 
that listens to my podcast is Sydney, New South Wales. Sydney, New South Wales has accounted for more listeners than any other city in the world. That is amazing. That is amazing. As a matter of fact, you want to know the top 10 countries that listen to my podcast? In slot number 10, South Africa. Number nine, Japan. Number eight, India. Number seven, Germany. Number six, New Zealand. Number five, Ireland. Number four, Australia. Number three, United Kingdom. Number two, Canada. And number one, the United States. That's expected because I'm located here. But how cool is that? So those are the top 10 countries that listen to my podcast. Thank you all so very much. That is amazing. Okay, so back to the Dinosaur George Kids page. So this is a question from William H. 10, who would like to know, what dinosaur was the loudest? That would be the Dadasaurus Rex if you woke him up on his day off. Okay, that's not true. This is a great question, William, because dinosaur sounds can be difficult to recreate. There's a lot of science that goes into trying to figure out how these animals sound. But unfortunately, there's no way to absolutely verify that because we have no way to test it. Now, let me let me say this. When paleontologists and other scientists work to try to recreate the sound of dinosaurs, There is so much science that goes into that. So much science that goes into it. But even with all of their studying and hard work, they can never say this is what a dinosaur sounded like. So that then leaves us to decide, well, which dinosaur would need to make the loudest noise? Would it be a plant eater? that maybe use noise as a way to maybe scare away a a danger or alert the pack? Would it need to be predators? Would they need to be the loudest in order to maybe start a, a, a stampede or create a diversion? Here would be my guess. My guess is it's going to be sauropods. I think sauropods would have made the loudest noise. And let me explain why. Let me explain why I say this. Because some paleontologists believe that dinosaurs may have made a rumbling noise similar to that of modern crocodiles and alligators. And so low frequency travels the farthest and that would therefore be considered the loudest. Because if you have a high-pitched sound, That doesn't travel very far. One of the reasons why when you go to a professional sporting event like soccer or football or baseball or basketball, the announcers are usually men. Not because men know more about the sport, not that they're better at announcing. It's because they usually have a lower voice and a lower voice is is easier to understand from a distance and is easier to be heard from a distance. 
So, in my opinion, sauropods would have needed the ability to make a loud noise in order to communicate with each other over great distances. A sauropod, it takes a long time for a sauropod to get to where it's going. If you're small and fast, you can zip around and find your friends and find water and find that stuff easily. But sauropods, it takes a while to move their giant bodies. So I believe that they had an ability to communicate with each other over much greater distances to tell everybody, hey, I'm here. Where are you? I need to know where you are and I need you to know where I am. But I want you to know from a long way away so that by the time you hear me, we at least have time to come up and meet. Maybe I'm looking for water. Maybe I'm a lost baby. So my best guess would be that I think that they would have made the loudest noise of any dinosaur. Now, compared to that, let's talk about Parasaurolophus or let's talk about uh, some of the Lambiosaurids. Those duckbills have a crest on their head that appears to be made for making sound. It is called a resonating chamber. And so... In order to create sound, if you have that resonating chamber, it probably means you can create a relatively either a loud sound or a variety of sounds by maybe adjusting uh, a flesh around the nose or uh, maybe the flesh in your throat or maybe something within the crest. They might have been able to change the tone, so they may have been more vocal. But I don't know if they would have been the loudest. But that's a very, very good question. Okay, let's keep going. Spinonorosaurus turned five and has a beautiful picture where she's visiting Santa and holding a Tyrannosaurus Rex. This is such a beautiful picture. Merry Christmas to you, honey. You look so pretty in your dress. And I hope you had a great meeting with Santa. And I hope you told Santa I was being good. Cha-cha-cha raptor is not good, but I'm good. All right, that's great. Then Alan became a T-Rex member, and Mom posted a video of Alan on the page. Oh, what is it? That is the sound. That is the sound of Alan opening up his welcome gifts. Thank you, my friend. Welcome to the club, Alan. Thank you, Mom, for posting that video. That was absolutely great. Now, this is really cool. This is really, really cool. Uh, Metesky family is driving from Southern California all the way to San Antonio. It will take them, okay, that's crazy, three days to get there. And they're coming to see my museum. I cannot wait to meet you guys. I can't wait to meet your family. And thank you. I am honored that you would make a trip. Um, I, I, I'm honored. Now, it looks like um, to go, no, go into Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, there's some stuff there. Oh, I wish I could think of some stuff for you to see along the way. There's a very good museum in Tucson on the campus of the university. I can't remember the name of it, 
but I think it's called Mesa Museum of Natural History. That was a kind of a good museum. I like that one. I'm trying to think of what else between here and there that would be good. I just, I don't know off the top of my head, but listen, can't wait to see you guys drive safe. And I look really forward to seeing you all. Okay. Velociraptor Liav staying warm with his Hanukkah during Hanukkah with the help of a Stegosaurus, Brontosaurus, Triceratops, Tyrannosaurus, Velociraptor more wearing the coolest little sweatshirt, Jurassic world. That is so cool. Happy Hanukkah to you and your family. My little friend. Thank you, mom or dad or whoever posted the picture. I love it. Love that smile, by the way. Everybody smiles when they're wearing dinosaurs. All right. This is funny. This is from Miss Cassie who said, petition for shirts that say, well, Dinosaur George said, because we hear that at least 20 times a day in our house. (laughs) Oh, that's absolutely great. (laughs) <laughs> that is just absolutely great. You know, I, I guess maybe we should make sure. <laughs> oh, oh, that's absolutely great. Thank you very much for posting that. I'm honored. Well, Dinosaur George said, <laughs> I can hear it. I can hear it in my head. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, here's one from Aaron would like to know if you've ever heard of the carnivorous uh, carnivorous iguanodon or kentrosaurus named Nico and Niku. I have not. Now, that must be a TV show or a book series maybe. I've I've never heard of that before. Maybe it's a it's an animated show. I've I've never heard of that before. If they're if they are carnivorous iguanodon and kentrosaurus, that must be, that that's obviously fiction. So I don't know. Uh, I've never heard of them before. Maybe you can tell me a little more about it. That really sounds kind of interesting. All right. What have we got here? Um, uh, oh, somebody is trying to find some specific toys. Uh, it looks from, it looks like from an old series. Uh, that's cool. I hope you find them. I don't, I don't know if I've got any of those. Well, some of them, I, I don't know. I might have some of those. I don't know. Uh, this is from my friend Tori. Uh, this is great. Tori has all of her dinosaur things that she's collected over the years. I've known Tori since she was was a little kid. And as a matter of fact, I see that Velociraptor skull you just bought yourself a couple of months ago. I love those. That's great, though, Tori. That's so nice. That's very, very cool. Okay, so let's take a look at some of the various questions. Uh, let's see. Rody, my good friend Rody, who turned, uh, uh, who had a birthday on the 9th uh, last week. What is your opinion on the Texas prehistoric creatures? Because in 2024 spring, I am going to talk to talk about them and was doing a talk about life before the dinosaurs. And that's Dimitrodon. Well, I find any life before dinosaurs absolutely amazing, Rody. I find it incredibly interesting. I love Dimetrodon, especially since living here in Texas. Dimetrodon is found here in Texas, and I find it fascinating. But I think they're, they were amazing. There were a lot of things living in Texas before the age of dinosaurs, and good luck with your upcoming talk. You also need to include an animal called Diplocallus. Diplocallus was an amphibian with a head shaped like a boomerang. Coolest thing ever. 
that and Eriops and Metaposar, and there's so many of those early ones. See Moria, so many early um, early members of the uh, or early residents of Texas. Okay, this is from the McDaniel family. My boys have been wondering about the debate on whether or not Spinosaurus could swim. We've seen a lot recently where scientists have disputed the fact. We'd love some f- clarification on this. My son was also wondering what people thought dinosaur fossils were before they knew about dinosaurs. Did anyone in history ever discover a very large bone and speculate something wild about what it was? Yes. Excellent questions. Let's get to your Spinosaurus one first. One of the most important messages I want to give all of you listeners. When a new scientific paper comes out that says something different about other work that was done earlier. It doesn't necessarily mean that the old papers were wrong and the new one is right. It doesn't mean that. Yes, new discoveries can help give more information, new technology. Sometimes just people looking at the evidence, different people can come with a different conclusion. It's always been a difficult thing to try to understand how Spinosaurus would be capable of swimming with that gigantic sail and its body shape. Its tail appears to be designed to be flexible, which would mean it's using its tail to move its body through the water. That's what I think. It's got a big, flattened, flexible tail. So... Here is my opinion of of that. I know that, well, one time Dr. Philip Curry told me that all spinosaurids up to the time he told me that, that had ever been found, always had evidence of fish scales and fish bones in their stomach area, suggesting that they ate fish. And so their long, skinny crocodile nose is perfect for grabbing fish. Its teeth are perfect for grabbing fish. So the question then becomes, well, do all those add up to mean that that's what it's eating? Not necessarily. Because Baryonyx, a very close relative of Spinosaurus, was found with the fossilized remains of a baby iguanodon in its stomach. It ate a baby iguanodon. So there's certainly... They certainly ate other things, not just fish. Now, maybe he found the iguanodon baby had died or drowned and he he didn't hunt it down. We don't know that, but we know it ate it. So my opinion of Spinosaurus is that there's enough evidence to suggest that it did prey upon a variety of things, including aquatic life. I believe it's possible that maybe Spinosaurus's snout had some sort of sensory organs in it where it could pick up the tiny electric fields given off by anything that's alive in the water. That's how sharks find their prey. Yes, they use their sense of smell, but once they get close, they can sense where you are even when their eyes are closed. Because a lot of sharks close this it's called a nictitating membrane it's that white plastic looking thing that when you see them attack they kind of roll their eyes back and this plastic sheet kind of covers their eye that's to protect their eye 
even when that, their eyes, even when they can't see, they know where you are by picking up the electric fields in the water. Maybe it's possible that Spinosaurus or Spinosaurids had something like that. And that would mean that they would potentially hunt fish at night. Because at night, the big fish come into the shore to hunt for prey. They don't come in during the daytime in most cases. They stay in deeper water for security. But at night, so maybe Spinosaurus is standing out in water with its nostrils, with its nose down in the water, and it's just moving its head back and forth slowly, trying to pick up the electric field of something nearby. And maybe when it finds it, it could walk towards the signal, but it's big. And so its head arrives long before its feet. So if you're a fish and you sense something coming, it sounds like it's far away because the feet and legs are far away. But the dinosaur's head is directly over the top of you. So maybe it's catching fish. And here's another thing about why they maybe have fish scales in their stomach. Maybe fish scales didn't dissolve as easily as bone. Or... If Spinosaurus is eating a dinosaur, maybe it's tearing off pieces, but it's not necessarily swallowing the bones. But when it catches a fish, it doesn't, it doesn't scale the fish first. It doesn't remove the scales. It eats the fish whole. And maybe that's what's left in the stomach is those fish bones and scales. Doesn't mean that that's all it eats. It just means maybe that's all that's left inside of its tummy. But I, I know it is a mystery. I do not have an answer for you guys because... New studies, just we have to continue to study it. So for right now, I still believe it was an aquatic predator, but I do not believe it spent its days deep diving, hunting for fish. It may have spent more time grabbing fish as they swam by. Now, as for your second question, yes. Throughout history, there are mythological animals that all seem to have a connection to prehistoric animals. For instance, the griffin. Some people believe if you look up griffin, it looks like it looks like the skull of a um, protoceratops. Some people believe that the legend of Bigfoot or the Yeti was based upon the discovery of the bones of Gigantopithecus, a giant orangutan-like animal. Some people believe that the legend of the Cyclops was when people found the skull of a mammoth. Because when you look at the skull of a mammoth, it has a great big hole right in the center. If you didn't know what an elephant was, you would think that's one giant eye. That's where it's, that's where it's trunk connected to its skull. So you might think early people thought that was a Cyclops. They thought its tusks were great big teeth. And in the case of dinosaurs, it is believed that the legend of dragons, I think the legend of dragons dates back 3,500 years. And I believe it started in China or what is now China. And so they believe that people were looking at the skeletal remains of dinosaurs and they believe that they are dragons. And so, yes, a lot of people misidentified prehistoric life thinking it was something else. All right, Benny and Azuri Ann want to know, how did dinosaurs survive in the cold? What is the biggest dinosaur or ichthyosaurus? Well, the biggest ichthyosaur, I believe, is Shonisaurus. It's gigantic, bigger than Tyrannosaurus rex. How did dinosaurs survive in the cold? Well, they did. 
because there are polar dinosaurs. There's a couple of different ways I think they did. One could be feathers. Now, we often talk about, did dinosaurs have feathers? Yeah, I believe that they did. But definitely, I think those that lived in the polar regions, like upper Alaska, upper Canada, um, uh, Antarctica, uh, either of the poles, I believe they were completely feathered and they were capable of adjusting their body temperature because I think they were more warm-blooded than cold. They're not like lizards. They're not like other reptiles. Yes, they belong in the reptile family, but they are a totally different kind of animal. I think they had the metabolism of a mammal, warm-blooded. So they could survive by just uh, maybe they hibernated, you know, dig a hole like a polar bear. And at the hardest part of winter, they could crawl into that hole and sleep for a month or two. Maybe they migrated when the coldest part of winter arrived. They moved further south. Or maybe they just kept on keeping on. The plant eaters would dig through the snow to find plants and the meat eaters would hunt the plant eaters. I cannot say for sure how, but they definitely did, in my opinion. All right, Fred Allosaurus, who's four, can you do a dinosaur lesson about Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor? Never! Never! That thing is horrifying. It's the meanest dinosaur that ever lived. I think you guys like me being bitten by this rotten raptor. It's a terrifying creature. (laughs) Also, wanted to know, can I do a podcast on Irritator? And Irritator is a Spinosaurid. Yes, it is. And finally, um, George Allosaurus said, oh, this is nice. And you are definitely not El Stinko. You are definitely El Stinko. Okay, you cannot say I'm not El Stinko and then turn around and say I am El Stinko. You rotten kids. Fred Allosaurus, George Allosaurus, say shame on both of you for bringing up cha-cha-cha and accusing me of being El Stinko, let me, no one knows the identity of El Stinko. More beautiful than Wonder Woman. Smells worse than the Hulk. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. <laughs> Samadarshi, age nine, was wondering if Giganotosaurus could actually beat a T-Rex. Good question, uh, I wish that I could have done a who would win because this is a good one. I don't believe so, Samadarshi. Let me explain why. When you look at the construction of the skull of Giganotosaurus, it is a big dinosaur. It's a huge dinosaur. But the skull is not reinforced like for battle. It doesn't seem to be made for a fight. It's made and its teeth are made for slicing a big chunk of meat off. That's how that animal hunts. It rips off a huge chunk of meat and the the prey probably dies of shock or blood loss. But when you look at Tyrannosaurus Rex, he's a heavyweight fighter. It's made for confrontation. So Giganotosaurus could do tremendous damage to a T-Rex, but a T-Rex could literally crack the bones of Giganotosaurus. So in my opinion, I still believe T-Rex would be the victor. Okay. Excuse me. Ben, age five, wants to know how sharp were Therizinosaurus's claws? Were they pointy bones? <coughs> Excuse me. Or fingernails like l- the claws of a lion? Okay. The claw of Therizinosaurus is pretty interesting because 
all we have to look at, of course, are the is the actual bone core, not the nail that went on the outside. The nail on the outside could have been sharp. The bone shape makes it appear like the nails will be sharp. And this is why I still do not accept the idea that Therizinosaurus has those claws solely to reach up and pull leaves down to eat. It's two reasons why I don't believe that. One is the shape. But two is that its head is higher than its arms can reach. If your arms are way below, you can only reach up kind of high and pull things down. But if your head is already way up there, it doesn't do you any good. Now, I had people say, well, sloths have sharp claws. Yes, but a sloth's sharp claws are used to climb and hold its body in a tree. Therizinosaurus can't do that. I believe that the claws were sharp. I think it was an omnivore. I think those claws would have been capable of killing potential prey. I understand that there is no evidence to absolutely support that theory, but it is my guess, it is my hypothesis based solely on the fact that those claws do not match the shape of defensive weapons. They are curved. They're not for climbing. I do not believe they're for reaching up and pulling. Think about this. Hold your arms to the side. Hold your arms to the side of your body. And hold your hands out in front of you like you're playing the piano. Now imagine if you had that short reach and you're going to try to grab a limb and pull it down so your mouth can reach it. Listen, your mouth is already way up there. So I think the claws were sharp. If it was not using those claws to kill prey, then it was using its claws as defensive weapons against predators. And therefore, regardless, the claws would have been sharp, in my opinion. It's a good question. Okay, this is from uh, Miss Rebecca. Uh, well, it's from Endel, age seven. Were there any carnivores big enough to take down Argentinosaurus? Not an adult. Not an adult. An adult is simply too big. I don't believe theropods ever messed around with adult sauropods. I think they're targeting the babies. It's way safer, way safer to target a baby than to deal with the size, just the size of Argentinosaurus. One kick of a leg, one hit from that tail, just its mass running over you would simply be too much. There's too much danger in doing it. So I do not, even though dinosaurs like Maposaurus and, and Giganotosaurus, they're huge predators. I don't believe they messed with Argentinosaurus. The other reason why is I believe the skin of Argentinosaurus was probably immensely thick, sort of like the skin of an elephant. And the reason why I say that is when you're that gigantic, your skin is like the package that holds us together. Your skin is a suit that holds our bones together. The bigger you are, the thicker your suit has to be. With sauropods like Argentinosaurus, they are so gigantic, their skin suit has to be incredibly thick to support all that heavy mass. So, even if even if you're not afraid of being stepped on or hit by that tail or slapped with the neck, 
The question is, can I really even bite through your skin? I just don't think they could. So I do not believe that any would take down an adult Argentinosaurus endal. I believe they would address the babies. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, this is from my friend Tori. Hey, Dinosaur George, hope you're doing great and want to say thank you for the Postasuchus shout out again. Hey, glad you suggested Postasuchus. I'm getting an Allosaurus skull here soon, along with some other fossils to add to my collection as well for myself. Nice. I'd like to ask where you get your fossils from, mostly so I can add them to my collection. Well, there's a couple of different vendors that sell replica skulls. There's a couple of them. Bone Clones is a good one. Skullduggery is a good one. And Valley Anatomical are all good. The problem with Valley Anatomical is they just take forever to ship, but they have good prices and good products. So Bone Clones, Valley Anatomical, and Skullduggery. Look into all of those, Tori. They're good products. Okay, Agnosaurus Regina wants to know how many teeth did a Megalodon have? I believe over 300, Agnosaurus. I believe over 300. Only one person ever tried to count its teeth, and he was never seen again. That person was a dentist. Megalodon had a sore tooth and went to the dentist and said, Hey, Doc, can you climb in my mouth and look at my sore tooth? And the dentist said, Yes. And then the dentist said, My, what big teeth you have. And Megalodon said, The better to eat. Wait, that's a different story. Anyway, I think it's 300. Okay. Let's see. This is from uh, Sophie. Sophie Soros. One of our books says that Therizinosaurus was an omnivore theropod, but other books just describe it as an herbivore. What is a paleontologist's best hypothesis on the dinosaurs, dinosaurs, and huge claws? What do you think? Good question. And I just answered that when I was talking to somebody else about it. And you're right. See, the family that Therizinosaurus comes from, one of its earliest ancestors was a carnivore. So there are carnivores in its family. Now, it's possible that Therizinosaurus, over time, they slowly changed to a diet of plants. Maybe Therizinosaurus was an omnivore. But the problem is that unless they can find a skeleton of a Therizinosaurus with the bones of an animal inside of its stomach, there's no way to know for certain. So we have to leave it at an educated guess. Okay, let's see. Luca, age four, said, why did Spinosaurus not live with people? My other question, did paleontologists find a crater from the asteroid that hit when the dinosaurs died? Okay, let's go to your first one. There are different times in Earth's history. Spinosaurus is an animal that lived during a time when there were no people. Now, I say that based on what I've seen, the studies that I've seen. Some people disagree with that. Everybody has a right to their own opinion. I'm just telling you science-based. So, Spinosaurus didn't live with people because people weren't here yet. 
I don't know if I'd want to live with a Spinosaurus. It would be cool to see it. I just wouldn't want to. I just wouldn't want to see it. So, Luca, I don't believe humans were alive when Spinosaurus was alive. That's why it didn't live with them. Now, as for your other question, yes, they did find the crater of an asteroid that struck, and it's the one they believe killed the dinosaurs. It is in a place in Mexico called the Yucatan Peninsula. You can see all kinds of pictures. It is called the Chicxulub Crater. It's a big word. I'm not even going to attempt to spell it. But if you go to Google and you type in asteroid and then you type in Chicks, C-H-I-X, the rest of it will come up. Chicxulub. So Chicxulub is where or is the, uh, uh, the name of the crater, the name of the crater where... They believe the asteroid struck, and that is what wiped out the dinosaurs. That's a very good question. Nicely done. Okay, let's keep going. Um, where did I just, I just, how, how did I log off this page I was just on? Can somebody please explain to me? Okay, here we go. All right, let's keep going. Uh, let's see, that you, that's Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, here we go. Ethan. My buddy Fire Tablet, Ethan, doesn't have a question, but he would like to make a few suggestions for future lessons. Dinosaurs of Utah, prehistoric sharks, abelosaurids, dinosaurs of Mongolia, the sailbacks. These are brilliant. These are brilliant suggestions. These are brilliant suggestions. I like all of them. Our next pod, our next lesson is at the end of this week, this coming week, I think. But I will definitely consider those. those are great. Those are good, Ethan. Very good. Okay, Kai wants to know who would win in a fight between Utah Raptor and a T-Rex. Well, Utah Raptor is going to be faster, going to have more deadly weapons, going to be more agile. It could cause a lot of damage, especially if it repeatedly attacked the leg. See, if it gets under that body and attacks the legs, T-Rex is not going to be able to bend over and grab you. He's got to try to sidestep you. But here's the deal, Kai. If Tyrannosaurus Rex ever gets his mouth on you, you're done. You are completely and absolutely done. All right. Now, this podcast is going to be the longest in history, but um, I want to get to all these. So let's keep going. Okay. Richard Soros Rex would like to know, how do we know the dinosaurs know the dinosaur when we dig up if it's an adult or a baby? Also, what if the dinosaurs didn't go extinct? What an excellent question, Richard Source. How do we know if it's a, is it a little dinosaur or is that an adult who happens to be small? Is it an adult or a baby? There are ways to look at the skeleton to determine whether something is a baby or if it's an adult. We can see that on the wear and tear on the joints. So in other words, I'm older than you, Richard Source Rex. So if you looked at my knees, they would look different than yours. Not just because they're bigger, but because I've walked on them more. They're more worn than yours. But there are other ways. In a lot of animals, the bones in the skeleton of dinosaurs are like the bones of a human. They're not, they have to be able to grow. And so we can look at them and determine whether those bones are completely solidly grown or if they were still growing. So we can tell by a number of different things. In a human, it's very easy because we can look at the skull. In your skull, when you're a baby, your skull is not a solid piece. It's actually 
loosely fitted pieces. But over time, those pieces fuse together as you become an adult. So we can look at that quickly. And some dinosaurs may have had the same thing. Now, what if the dinosaurs didn't go extinct? This is an interesting question. Here's what I believe would have happened. I believe the tyrannosaurs would have ultimately been fewer and fewer. You would never have seen very many of them. I believe raptors were well on the way of becoming the ultimate predators, the dromaeosaurs, we call them raptors. They would have been the animals that I think would have been, would have ultimately become the top predators on earth. And if the dinosaurs weren't extinct, I don't think the mammals would have ever had the opportunity to make it to where we are today. I think all mammals would have been nocturnal. They would have come out at night. I think that dinosaurs would have figured out anti-raptor weapons. I think what we would have seen is we would have seen more dinosaurs covered in spikes, almost like a porcupine, because that's the only way you can stop these raptors. So I think we would have seen a whole variety of unusual dinosaurs, and I think we would have seen some huge, huge plant eaters that understand size is how you survive the raptors. But I think we would have seen raptors as the number one predators on the planet. And I think they would have spread everywhere. Okay, Ren, who's five, wants to know, why do dinosaurs have tails? What a great question, Ren. It is for balance. Their bodies are balanced. For any of you that know what a seesaw or a teeter-totter is, that's the thing on the playground that's a large, flat piece of wood or metal. And one person sits on one side and one person sits on the other. And you take turns going up and down. Well, if... Two people get on that and they weigh exactly the same, then it won't go up or down. It'll stay centered. It'll stay right in the middle. That's called balance. Well, the tail helps balance the dinosaur so that the weight of its body isn't all put in one small area. Its weight is distributed. Its weight is equal. If, for instance, imagine if you tried to pick up a brick with one hand and hold it out in front of you. It's going to get heavy because only one hand is trying to support the weight. Now, if you put your other hand under it and you're holding with two hands, it becomes super light because now you've divided the weight between a wider area. So their tails are used for balance. After balance, their tails could have been used as a weapon, which I think that's what they did. And finally, Moms use dinosaur tails to make their kids do their homework and clean their room. Here's how it would go. This is your mom, by the way. I'm going to, in, I'm going to, I'm going to do a great mom. This is going to be great. Okay, ready? Run! Okay, I base that off of my mom. Run! Okay, I know your mom doesn't sound like this. Please, Miss Hillary, don't yell at me. Run! If you don't eat all your vegetables... And clean your room, you're getting the tail. That scream was Ren, by the way. So, <laughs> I am not advocating for parents to grow a long tail and spank their children. Don't misunderstand me. But right now, there's a lot of parents going, oh, if I just had a good, nice, long dinosaur tail, I could make that kid finally clean their room. All right. So, Ren, the tails are used for balance first and probably a weapon second. Okay, 
Miles Asaurus from Canada. It's freezing cold up in Canada. I hope you and your family are safe. Say, hey, Captain Underpants, how big was Micropack? What did you just call me? What did you just call me Captain Underpants? Okay, listen. Little Georgie Pants, Captain Underpants, El Stinko. I don't know who those people. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. I don't know who any of those people are. Why do you keep calling me those names? How big was Micropachycephalosaurus? Well, Commander Underpants, Micropachycephalosaurus is thought to be a very tiny dinosaur, smaller than a house cat. It's tiny. There's a lot of debate whether or not it was just the baby of another dinosaur. Like, like to that question earlier, how do you tell if it's a baby or not? There is some debate because they didn't find a lot of it. But I do know this, Micropachycephalosaurus is the longest name of any dinosaur. And yet it belongs to a tiny one. That's hilarious. All right. Soren Itholestes. I see what you did there. H6 wants to say hi and is interested in learning more about Ichthyostega and the dinosaurs of the Pacific Northwest. You know what? It's a great, you know, just like my my friend um, Ethan suggested, maybe we need to start doing lessons on dinosaurs of different regions. Um, because I'm not, I'm not familiar enough with the Pacific Northwest to know what's been found up there. Now, Ichthyostega is a Permian aged animal. I think it's Permian. That is a, a semi-aquatic, uh, maybe fully aquatic amphibian. It's a cool animal. Mouthful of sharp teeth. Don't pet an Ichthyostega, Sorenithalestes, because it's got a mouthful of sharp teeth. But yeah, I would, I wish I could just rattle off the names of dinosaurs from your area, but I don't know enough of them to be able to tell you. See, during the late Cretaceous, well, we got to go back to the Jurassic and maybe the Triassic. Now, the Triassic, maybe you didn't have dinosaurs that I can think of, but certainly during the Jurassic, there had to be, you had to have Brachiosaurus and and Diplodocus and Camarasaurus and and uh, Allosaurus and Dilophosaurus, Ceratosaurus, Mifetosaurus, all of the... Okay, that last one, my foot hurts, okay? Okay? Look, I'm throwing out whatever jokes I can think of, kids. You people better be laughing, by the way. And if your parents didn't laugh at that joke, well, just tell them, I got a tail. All right. So I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head, Sornithalestes, but I will certainly try to do some research on them, okay? Now, here's another one. Ethan wanted to know, could terror birds eat fish? Ethan wonders if they could because of their high nostrils and they could stand in the water to catch them. See, that is called comparative anatomy. Ethan, it's why I have so much fun teaching you and your sister, because you both think at a very high level. Yes, those are brilliant ways to look at it. Were they capable of catching fish? Yes. Did they? I don't know. It's a great question. Now, there is one thing I do want you to think about, though, Ethan, when you look at its beak. They have what is what appears to be a shearing beak. And what I mean by that is when they bite, they can split through stuff very easily. They're not made for holding on to anything. Biting your prey in half is fine on the land, but it's kind of dangerous in the water because the chances are whatever you eat could float away or sink into deeper water and you could lose it. 
So I don't know if they were necessarily made for that, but the features you mentioned gave them the ability. So I think that's a brilliant question. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Okay, Maximosasaurus, age five, would like to know, if Megalodon was alive today, would it be able to do things it does in the movies, like the movie Meg? Uh, P.S. Hello from Australia. Hey, Maximosasaurus, nice to hear from you. I'm going to visit your country one day. I expect you to meet me at the airport and be my tour guide when I arrive. So Megalodon, now the things that Megalodon could do are the same things that a great white shark can do. And that's about it. They're not advanced. They wouldn't do the the various things that you saw in the movie, um, but they certainly would be a top predator. There's no doubt. I just don't know how a shark that size behaved. Like, what does it do all day? It just must hunt all day long. But, but that's what a great whites do. You know, they're not social. They don't hang around other sharks. They don't all get together and go to Bennigan's to have nachos. What? They don't. <laughs> they, so I think it would, they would have been solitary animals, except for maybe during a mating season when they want to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend. But other than that, they probably live by themselves. They probably would follow whales. They would probably stay in areas where whales constantly uh, uh, cross, like, like the, the transition areas where whales constantly move through. I think they would be, in our opinion, they would be somewhat boring because they're not doing anything except we would have a hard time studying them because how are we going to study them? Anything you go in the water, potentially it might think you're a meal. So for now, we're going to say it probably behaved just like a modern great white shark. All right. Now, uh, Everett, age five. Velociraptor Everett, by the way, who goes by Everett Raptor. Who will actually defeat Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor? Okay, Everett Raptor will defeat Cha-Cha-Cha Raptor. Okay, if that's the case, kid, I'm flying you and your family in here right now so you can sit in this studio with me in case that rotten little dinosaur shows up and attacks me. So Everett wants to know who would win. Deinonychus versus T-Rex. Also, why are dinosaurs reptiles? Let's answer your second question first. Why are dinosaurs reptiles? You hear me all the time say they're not like reptiles. They don't have legs sticking out to the side. They don't drag their tail. They're probably not cold-blooded. They probably had feathers, some of them anyway. So why are they reptiles? Well, the way animals are put into family groups are when they're similar things, when they're similar features about their skeleton compared to other animals. And in the case of dinosaurs, they have reptilian features. Therefore, they're classified in the reptile family. But other than that, they don't resemble reptiles. Their skin probably does, but they are their own animal. They are reptiles because there's enough features on their body, and that has to do with things like the number of holes in their skull and their hip bones, stuff that that is too in detail to go into now. But I can tell you that there are enough similarities to where scientists recognize, okay, these belong in the reptile family. But then think about this. A snake is a reptile and a turtle is a reptile. Do they look anything alike? They don't look anything alike. They don't look anything like each other, yet they still fit in that family. So the same thing is said about the dinosaurs. Now, 
As for your question, who would win Deinonychus versus T-Rex? Now, earlier I had mentioned how Utah Raptor would stand a chance. Unfortunately, Deinonychus wouldn't, in my opinion. I love Deinonychus. But there is just no way that that animal would have the strength to cut through the hide, the ability to withstand any sort of hit from a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So in my opinion, Tyrannosaurus Rex would be the winner. And then finally, this is from... Uh, William, Dinosaur George, who would win in a fight, Velociraptor or Truodon? Now, this is an interesting fight. This is a very, very interesting fight. Wow. Um, Truodon would appear to be the smarter of the two. They're about equal size. Velociraptor's killing claw is more advanced, a little more dangerous looking. But other than that, these are similar dinosaurs. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to simply say that maybe the larger brain of Troodon, or Troodon, depending on how you, you pronounce it, the larger brain would have probably given it an advantage. I think it would, given it, would have given it an advantage. That's what I think. All right. Um, Listen, there are so many wonderful pictures and things that you guys have posted on my page. I wish I had the time to go through and acknowledge everyone, but I want you to know, I see your pictures. I see Richosaurus Rex with a cat and all of his dinosaurs. Penny Kyrus posted a great picture. I see an amazing video, an amazing video that Helico Hudson posted. I love that you're dressed up as a Dilophosaurus. Thank you all. Um, uh, I see Cooper turned 12 just not too long ago and wants me to do a podcast on the difference between pterosaurs, mosasaurs, and dinosaurs. Yeah, that's a good one, and I would certainly love to do that. Uh, Thank you all. I'm just, I'm buzzing through them right now. There are so many great posts and funny pictures and drawings and paintings and pictures of like Milesosaurus doing fact-checking on my podcast. Thank you that I've been correct. That's a relief. Um, and then here's what I just want to mention. Uh, thanks for helping William fall asleep every night. He would like to know if you can have an episode that discusses how a battle between Velociraptor and Truodon would unfold. See, there you go. There you go. That's William. I read it. And listen, for those of you that go to sleep at night listening to my podcast, thank you. Parents, I am honored that you would allow your child to hear me, hear my voice, um, as they are as they are laying down to sleep. That means a lot to me, and it truly does mean a lot to me. And I can't thank you enough for having faith in me to do things that are right, other than, of course, making fun of every dad and claiming that moms talk the way they talk and having a dinosaur tail. Other than those things, thank you. To everyone out there, if you celebrate the holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. If you, if you and your family do not celebrate the holidays, that doesn't matter. It's okay. We all live on this planet together. Being kind with each other is what we need to do. And that's the thing that makes the world great. Make sure to be kind to everybody. Tell your families you love them. Tell your parents you love them. Hug your brother or sister. And go out there and make a new friend. If you see a young person who doesn't seem to have friends... Be the friend that others won't be. 
Until next time, everybody, we'll see you. Stay warm, and I'll see you soon. Listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah. Yeah.